Welcome to Comics on Trial, the show that pits two members of the Comics in Motion family in a geek battle. Each week, one person will defend an unpopular opinion, and the other, representing the common consensus, will prosecute the case in the court of public opinion. This is where the judge would normally introduce their podcast, but I'm a fraud. I don't actually have a podcast. <laughs> I am girlfriend and self-proclaimed co-host to Mike of Genuine Chit Chat. So if you've listened to Mike's podcast, then you will have heard me pop up from time to time. Um, today we are putting the rise of Skywalker in the dock and representing the prosecution. We have, well, I'll let you introduce yourself. So prosecution, if you would like to introduce yourself. Hello there. Uh, thank you. Uh, Judge Gritty, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so this is uh, Mike Burton of Star Wars Comics in Canon, found on this very feed of Comics in Motion, and as Megan eloquently put it, genuine chit-chat, where Megan does occasionally, she often co-hosts with me, you know, sometimes chatting with another guest. We've chatted with Tony as well, which is kind of a spoiler of who the defendant is, so... Well, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Defense, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, Mike's hello. already kind of done it. <laughs> hello, that's fine. I'm, this is Tony Farina of uh, Indie Comics Spotlight. <laughs> also on this very network, we are we definitely like to have a closed loop here. Um, yeah, so I am uh, I'm a Gemini, and uh, <laughs> I share a birthday with Chris Evans. So um, that's fun. I, I have the same case. birthday as Hitler. So oh. No. <laughs> Dick. That's terrible. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, shall we get started? Prosecution, would you like to make your opening statement? All righty then. I will indeed. So, <clears throat> I am here today, ladies and gentlemen of the jury and also Megan, the judge, um, to basically speak to you about The Rise of Skywalker, uh, the ninth and the final edition of the Skywalker saga with a little asterisk next to it because Disney might make more films in the decades to come but let's just say this is the final one as they all kept saying in the marketing and whatnot so the final piece of this intricate puzzle that's been in the making for over 40 years and I'm here to tell you that it dissatisfied me on so many levels that I believe it's actually the worst of the sequel trilogy so it's quite a big claim because I know that Last Jedi can be uh, <laughs> quite a uh, difficult topic among Star Wars fans. But I genuinely believe due to the amount of questions it opened up to, inconsistencies um, and in predict and being dissatisfying, all of those many adjectives I can go on for ages and ages, but I won't. It is for a movie which left me wanting more, which one shouldn't have on the final chapter of a franchise. There you go. Okay, Tony, would you like to uh, have your defense opening statement? Yes, thanks. Thank you, Your Honor. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. And my, uh, my uh, opponent, thank you for, for being here. So, friend, friends, Star Wars fans, lovers, I'm not here to bury Rise of Skywalker, but to praise it. Here's the thing you have to understand about it is as Mike said, he, I mean, pretty much could have just given my opening statement for me. This was 40 years in the making. And so what you have is 40 years of millions of people's hopes and dreams packed in to one thing. Would, would it ever be possible to make everyone happy? Of course not. Of course, it would never be possible. Is this a perfect film? No, we can, we, can, we can all agree the only perfect Star Wars film is Rogue One. It isn't this. So, but it is by far not the worst of the, of the final trilogy. It is by far not the worst of the entire nine films. We can all agree on that. What we have is two hours and 20 minutes 
of a giant hug to people who grew up, spent their entire lives. You, Mr. Burton, have spent your entire <laughs> life in love with Star Wars, as have I, as I've stated on your show and repeatedly. Literally, my earliest memory was seeing the original Star Wars in 1977 at the drive-in movie. There's nothing I remember sooner in my life than seeing that. And so this is a movie for all of us who grew up on it. It's not perfect, but it does everything it was supposed to do. And I submit there, this is the only way for it to end. Thank you. I, I will. I look forward to, to this healthy debate. Thank you, Your <laughs> No name calling. <laughs> okay, awesome. So, do you want to go again? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to go again. Thank yes, you. Please. Thank you, Your yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry, guys. No, no, You're the greatest okay. judge ever. Yeah, yeah. You're literally yeah. the greatest judge ever, so it all works fine. Okay, well, I suppose it is going to be me trying to raise some points against you, Tony, and you trying please. to defend them. And I then, have some things I'd like to say as well, but yes, yeah. please. I, would, yeah, I like how I'd Mike's like... just taken over the role of judge temporarily. Yeah, no, I'm no, trying no. To... I've got, I've got no, loads of notes, but I imagine Tony's got some semblance of, of uh, an order. I've just got like, no, notes. it's like my let's Star Wars comics and canon thing. It's just, yeah, let's see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we kind of start with the very start, should we say, so right where the, the title call comes in and the first sort of scenes and things. And in this, Tony, what I'm going to do is also, there's going to be certain things I'm going to bring up. And I want you to tell me if it was said in the film or not. If you, and if you know the answer to some of these things, it's not going to turn to a trivia round or anything. But I'm It feels just like maybe it's pub trivia and I shouldn't yeah, have coffee. And if and but if I you lose this, then it means that Scott, Rise of Skullcare is actually the worst of the three films. That's, That's not true. Object as no. judge. No, I'm <laughs> I am joking. <laughs> I that would not be fair judge. at all. Yeah, yeah. I'd just be really okay. loads of random small things. But yeah. okay, so at the start, it specifically says, you know, the dead speak, uh, Galaxy basically heard a mysterious broadcast of the revenge of Palpatine, essentially. Okay, that's how the film starts with the text coming up. Correct. Uh, so in your defense, you're saying that they couldn't have done this any other way. So right off the bat, you're saying that they couldn't have had any showing of Palpatine's voice coming out. They couldn't have had two minutes of even people talking about what this broadcast actually was. We've just, we immediately hit the face like, oh, Palpatine's back. How? <laughs> Why? Uh, we'll tell you so shortly. And then, oh, so how does everyone hear about this? Oh, we're not actually going to show you. We're just going to tell you that everyone heard Palpatine and not show you anyone's reaction or actually even show you anyone saying it. And then it cuts immediately to Kylo Ren fighting in a quite a cool way. And then fighting by the way, the wayfinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he finds the wayfinder. Okay. The MacGuffin of this, of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, as I said, I'm not going to ask him any questions, but do you know where they are at the start where Kylo Ren actually is? No, playing? you don't know at the beginning, but that's okay because in no other Star Wars film is there a crawl that says when you first come into a planet, it does in, it does in Rogue One, but in no of the other ones where it's like when you first go to Endor, there's not a thing that comes up. There's not a title crawl that says, welcome to the fourth moon of Endor, unless you're listening <laughs> to that audio Description, you're not going to know where you are until you're there. There's all the entire series, except for Rogue One, is done with dialogue. That's mm -hmm. how we know where we are. We know we're yes. on Tatooine because Luke whines. We know where wherever we are because that's what they say <laughs> they are. So yeah, so I don't I didn't need that. Now, also as someone who um I don't need everything explained to me because that's the point of the title crawl. The point mm -hmm. if there were no title crawl then maybe you're right. I would need a little bit something, but because the, throughout the entire series, the title crawl tells you what happened last. 
And so we didn't see between episodes six and seven, they didn't give us another movie that spanned 30 years to tell us what happened in the last 30 years. We got a title crawl. So I just feel like it just fit the format of the rest of the film. Well, it's, I can see where you're coming from. However, the obviously episode seven is 30 odd years after episode six, whereas this is about one year after. And it, it just, it's just one of the things with Palpatine they make such a big fuss about it in the trailer and everything. And when he's in the film that you don't get to hear his voice. But the fact is, is after that, this is one of the bit, my big key points, which is there's so many missed opportunities of this film of just, because of my opinion, JJ Abrams did not try enough to connect films, connective tissue as has done with other films, uh, as in other films in the stars franchise and whatnot, like last Jedi as an example, there's a lot of things that connect to other stuff. Whereas yeah. in in episode nine, I feel like they missed a lot of things. So a lot of it is actually spoken about in like reference books or the novelization afterwards, which upsets me because it shouldn't be like a, you've got an incomplete movie and you fill in the actual answers to really big questions via alternative sources when it's the final stamp on things. And it's like, to begin with Kylo Ren, he finds that Wayfinder in the fort, in the uh, ruins of Fortress Vader of Vader's fortress that you see in Rogue One and obviously he is on Mustafar. They didn't show you the planet like they did in Rogue One. Even without the text, they didn't show you the planet from space to show you it was Mustafar, clearly. It just had Kylo Ren fighting with like trees and stuff around him and then he's got a Wayfinder. Like, they could have shown or even said something about Vader's fortress or anything at all in that regard, but they didn't. They, they didn't do that connective tissue. And I feel like in a film that is meant to be the full stop at the end of it, that's quite a big thing of not only glazing over Palpatine, not, not actually hearing anyone's reaction, but also that you choose to have it at a place, but literally one second extra of dialogue or even any mention of anything else could have kept adding things that Star Wars fans love. Well, I, I hear that, but I also think you knew where it was. That was because the novelization. Fan. Well, the novelization after the fact, the expanded. But, but I guess, I guess for me, seeing that, I wasn't super concerned where he was because it, and I didn't know what he was doing either. I didn't know what he was after. I didn't know what the MacGuffin was. There's <laughs> Kylo Ren being pissed, killing people, which was an amazing. I mean, all of that's amazing. I think um, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I mean, I, I, I hear that. However, Kylo Ren doesn't. He doesn't have anybody to talk to. He hasn't for the entire time. He talks to Ray. You know, they have their weird force talk thing that they do. So he he doesn't have a he doesn't have a sidekick. You know, Han always had Chewie. Luke always had the droids. You know, and throughout the entire series, somebody has somebody to talk to. And and you know, Kylo Ren doesn't. And I so I'm okay with not knowing. I, again, I guess I feel um, I didn't feel cheated. All of a sudden, he's got a MacGuffin, and now he's going to go. And, and you know, and I actually thought it was nice filmmaking the way that he holds it up, and then the camera kind of zooms in, and then you see his thing in there. So, mm-hmm. so in that, we didn't need that. We see what the MacGuffin does. We see yeah. that this is a map. Oh, look, we hold it up. And so they, and there's a callback later in the film when um, Ray has the dagger, and she pulls it down. And you're like, cool, there's this cool, this is also... And a love letter to Indiana Jones. There's cool clues and artifacts and there's shit that tell, tells you where to go. So um, I hear what you're saying. It would have been great. But I also feel like because, as you keep saying, this is the final thing, um, they're assuming this isn't the first Star Wars movie you've seen where you're not like leaning over. If anybody in the theater leaned over and goes, who's that tall guy? Then that's a problem <laughs> for sure. They're like, why is he... T- 
is Adam Driver swallowing? What's is there glass in his throat? What's up with that voice? But you know, because you've seen before. Like they don't explain why he talks like that or why there's a scar on his face or why his helmet's broken. We just those things happen. And there's not like, remember in the other movie when his helmet was shattered? We're putting that back together. You know, so, so that's just how I feel. It's like I get that you're saying that there's not enough explanation, but I, I feel like JJ wants to trust his audience. The entire trilogy is fill is full of us filling in our own gaps anyway. This isn't the first time it's been done where you're like, what now? When did that? What? R2 can fly? What? I appreciate the jokes in this one when the stormtroopers can fly now. I thought that was a callback to R2 could fly. Well, the thing is, is that I'm pretty certain that in like, Star Wars Rebels, they you do get stormtroopers of backpacks. I'm pretty certain that does happen. So there's little things here that it's like, hey, it's like, like let's. I'm going to get caught up in things. You're going to distract me. Like you said about the Sith blade. Okay, I'm going to bring that up. Something that doesn't make oh, any sense. Okay, right. So they get the Sith blade, and let's just start with three PO and the most pointless on-screen death of all time, which isn't even an on-screen death, and they made such a big fuss about it with genuinely no payout it was just oh no c3p is making the sacrifice oh wait in the trailer you sh- it showed you saying those words that he's going to say which is i'm saying one last look at my friends it's like okay so you know c3p isn't going to die because the trailer ruined it and then even if you don't watch the trailer you go into the film and you know the stuff happens to 3p and you're like oh man maybe he's going to go and then it's like oh no it would do a memory wipe and you're like okay right any reason for that like there's no reason why they could just have babu frick just be like oh, I can retrieve this, it will turn him off for an hour or so, or some small thing. But instead, it's just like this big, massive deal that is no payout. It's like a like a double bluff almost. And that in itself annoyed me. And bouncing off that is the blade itself. Well, no, I'll, let you, I'll say about that with the Ethiopia first, and then I'll go back to the blade. <laughs> Comedy gold. That's why they I- did it. I love C3PO. That's all it film. was. It I was think he's funniest in this film than in he most is, of the other ones. This is his, this is, to me, of everybody, this is Anthony Daniels' send-off. Like, mm. he's the only one who's in them all. So, um, it, I, I feel like this was his, this was his time to really show his chops. I mean, he's a, as we, as you know, as humans who aren't us know, who don't know probably, he's a trained mime. Like, that's how he got the job. Like, so he's such a good physical comic. And this was his moment to shine. So I actually truly 100% believe it was just, it was comedy. That was the only purpose was to allow him to eat scenes. Truly. I get what you're saying plot wise, but I just think it was like to the actual actor herself. Here you go. And he's hysterical in this. I mean, every scene he's in, he's genius. So I think he is brilliant in the film. I just feel like once again, there's a lot of these moments that happen, which just seem to eat up screen time that don't, add enough to the film there's so many things which could like, like chewy's death too same thing yeah it's that sort what you're of thing yeah. it's, it's just a lot of parts in here which it seemed like one of the issues of last jedi is that it kept having these things where you think something's happened and then it turns out it hasn't happened like there are a lot of people complaining about the pacing in that regard and i feel like with last jedi the overall plot and everything like the big things that happen in the plot like things with snoke the things with luke and kylo that the back and forth of the memories and stuff i thought that was all done expertly i just think certain scenes were done in not the best ways. I think there were certain missteps of execution, but the actual pillars of plot were very, very strong. And I feel like in this film is that you've basically just got, they want to bring Palpatine back and they try and make it so complex and convoluted as to why it makes sense when, because the last two films, 
weren't made in the same t- like the plot wasn't written for all three at the same time it makes this end seem really messy and it, it's these these kind of moments it's like, oh Chewie's dead oh no he's not I'll say 3PO's gonna die uh no he's not oh you thought Palpatine was dead no he's not and it's like okay uh, right so it's just this constant thing of like it's meant to be the last film there's meant to be like some actual substantial loss and you got Leia that died and that was sad but obviously that had to happen but then what else we've well, got Kylo dying not really that much else like snap wexley who i'm the only person who seems to care who that is no one else so i feel like it just intertwines with a bigger issue where they're trying to pull the rug out from under you so frequently that they just kind of waste time that could have been done better if you know what i mean sure sure and again i i mean i i said i don't think it's by any stretch of the imagination a perfect film and those are all those are all valid points that you're making that that is something that happens but the again if you go back to the original, which in my, to me is number four, there are, it is, you need like buckets of cement to fill the plot holes in that movie, right? Mm-hmm. It is full of problems that are then tried to solve an empire, which they try to solve in Jedi, which then they try to solve in The Force Awakens. And, you know, so I feel like, and again, I, I'm not J.J. Abrams, I could argue that all of these things, all these dodges and all these problems with the story, these are just things that almost as an homage to everything that came before it. That if you made too perfect, like if the film was too tight, it, it doesn't really fit in the world where stuff happened. Like at the end of eight, the boy with the force, the force broom boy, mm-hmm. um, where's he? He's not in this, but, well, no, but like, that was a year ago. It, it's just meant to show the significance of people in the universe having hope and the potential of that hope flourishing at some day. It's not ready at the moment. It's not ready to come out. He's not No, ready. no, no. Right. But what I'm saying is, is the movies are all full of plot holes and stories that weren't in dodges. Yeah. Con but this is the really... final one. This is the full stop. This is the end page. But this, it isn't. This... You keep saying that, but why do you say that? Why? I mean, they, that's how Disney marketed it. They say it's the final chapter in the Skywalker, of the saga. Skywalker saga, but not in Star Wars. Like Ray's not dead. Raise she's a Skywalker. What's the name? Okay, so how can it be the end? It's the end of the Luke Skywalker saga. It's not the that, end. There's going to be I, a bazillion D dollars, which I don't have, <laughs> or pounds, as you say. There will be a, there will be episode ten. It, it's going to happen. This story, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, they're coming back. There's no doubt about it. I, I have zero doubt that they these still these characters. We will see them again, whether it's in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, they'll come back. They'll do this again because that's what they do. So it is the, they're calling it the end of the Skywalker saga, but that's also like pretending again, my, as you know, I'm an Austin fan. That's like pretending, well, at the end, Darcy and Elizabeth get married and now they're dead because you don't know what happens next. So they must fall off a cliff on their honeymoon. You don't, <laughs> I mean, like every one of Jane Austen's novels, which have been selling fine for hundreds of years, end in a wedding. They don't end in a marriage. You don't know what happens. So, so the fact that you don't know what happens, it's not really an ending. I mean, is, is Ray going to, you know, open, you know, Baru and Owen's farm? Is that really what she's going to do? Or is she just <laughs> hanging out there? Like, is she, I, I don't know. Is she going to learn to whine like Luke? I have no idea. But that's the point <laughs> is we don't actually know what happens next. So I'm okay with that. I hear what you're saying, though. I mean, you make a valid point that there's a lot of there's a lot of plot holes, but I just argue throughout the entire series, there's plot holes. So personally, I just forgive them because if I got hung up on the plot holes in the first one, I wouldn't still love it. 
see where with me i the plot holes for me are fine in a lot of ways when they're as i say it's when it's meant to be and marketed as the final chapter you shouldn't at the very least you shouldn't have more questions than you went in you should have at least some questions answered and i feel like in this it didn't everyone was asking who's snoke who is the snoke person oh palpatine made him oh what so he trained him no he literally is a vat of snokes in that one shot and then is it but yeah it is (laughs) okay so here's a question right the final order and palpatine creating all these snokes okay so snoke apparently was being trained by palpatine but according to all the other books and novels and everything else he had didn't know about palpatine's existence allegedly while kylo ren clearly didn't know about palpatine's existence because if he did why would he have had to go to mustafar to the ruins of vader's castle to find the sith wayfinder MacGuffin to then be able to travel there when there's mm-hmm. already loads of people there anyway so what is like I didn't care about Snoke necessarily when he died in Last Jedi. I was like, good, he's just like Palpatine. He's boring, you know. And then they bring him in this, and they go, oh yeah, but he's actually like a clone. It's like, but they said he was ancient from the unknown regions of space. Who is who Snoke? What did who said in the? No, no, I think no. he's in the right. That's Snoke's own legend. So here's the thing. So let me uh, ask okay. you this question. Let me ask you this question. If if you were born and then taken away. You know, you were adopted and, and you never found out you were adopted. Would that mean that your parents, your birth parents didn't exist because you don't know anything about them? What? No. You're saying Snoke doesn't know anything about being a clone and being the because, of course, he doesn't. He was created yeah. to think these lies that he tells. That's the dodge. Right. As but- Palpatine creates him, gives him the memories that he gives him and sends him out. So he believes it. Therefore, Kylo Ren can't read that he's lying because he doesn't know that he's lying. So what I'm saying is if a baby is born and adopted by someone else, his birth parents still exist somewhere, even though he doesn't know anything about that. Right. So you can't pretend like, you know, so Snoke is this ancient thing because that's what he thinks he is because he's been he's been created to think he's that thing that's fine but the problem is is that where does the first order and the final order connect like how when snoke dies uh ren takes over and it says in the title call like kylo ren i think rages to find the emperor because clearly no one else seemingly knew about it but Palpatine says that the first order was basically his idea and the final order is the last step of that. But how can that be if Snoke and Kylo Ren, who are the two leaders of the first order, didn't even know where Palpatine even was or what he was doing? How, what well, then Palpatine shouting that very mysterious voice that no one understands and no one has, you don't get to see that all is how he tells Kylo Ren he exists, that that's the way. And before that point, the first order and the final order were just thinly connected because Palpatine made Snoke and Snoke didn't know. Yes, that's all correct. You just explained it all <laughs> perfectly. Good job. Well, that's yeah. bad storytelling. No, it isn't. He's the puppet master. <laughs> that happens all the time. I mean, okay, so the, one of the greatest works of all fiction is The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. The opening line is, Gregor Sampson awakes to find he's been transformed into a giant vermin. At no point in the rest of the book do you know why he's a giant cockroach, because who gives a shit? He is one. The story is he's a giant cockroach, and he has to figure out how to get on with his life. So Snoke and and Ben, they've all been manipulated by the Emperor the whole time. This has all been Palpatine's long game from day one. He's, I mean, that was the whole thing, like you talked about the, the secret dodges and everything, with, you know, in the original trilogy. Not the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the, the Emperor's there too, right? He's mm-hmm. pulling the strings the whole time. And then he's pulling the strings in the whole original trilogy, four, five, and six. And so because we don't see him in seven, eight, it doesn't, we learn in nine, he's still there. It would have been way more boring 
And way less, I think, of a reveal is if in seven, there's just a cutaway to Exeter and there's just like emperors like getting his weird monks together, you know, whatever they are. And they're like having a monk party and doing whatever. And you're like, what's going on? Why, why is the emperor there? So the whole point is by you not knowing that anything's happening, that Ben and, and Snoke were duped. We're all duped. We're all fools. We're all weak compared to Palpatine. The fact that no one could know and that he kept himself that hidden from everybody, it, it works to his advantage that Luke has gone and and banished himself because Luke would have been the only one and, you know, possibly who would have known. Now we learn in this one that Leia was quite the Jedi herself, but she was busy. She wasn't like, again, because he's hidden himself in some secret hell dimension. I think that's smart. I think that's, I know you're saying it's lazy storytelling, but to me, it's the whole point is he's the puppet master and, and, and I could just be, you know, doing what George Lucas did was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was always the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that may be what JJ Abrams is doing, but I, but I'm okay with the fact that there's a reveal and it makes way more sense that the reveal is at the beginning of this movie than if we had waited to the end and there was some Duke sex machina bullshit at the end where they're like, surprise the end it was the it was the emperor the whole time that would have sucked so you feel that way but we had two hours and 20 minutes to deal with that reveal not 20 minutes but the way you're acting is like that the only storytelling choice they had was palpatine and my argument is that not only is palpatine the laziest most boring choice they could have actually had because it's been done in legends um which was already one thing that people had Mm -hmm. critiques on and then also it happened he's like the baddie in the prequel trilogy. And then the original trilogy, the whole thing is a build up to Vader having his huge redemption arc and killing Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And then in episode nine, they go, nah, doesn't mean anything, does it? Boom. Here's Palpatine no. back for seemingly no real, no real explanation, no prior reasoning behind that. He's just been kind of shoehorned in rather than us writing a complex story about Kylo Ren and Ray and Kylo Ren either being irredeemable or actually redeeming himself. Like when you redeem yourself and there's someone bigger and badder above you, it takes away from that redemption. If Palpatine was never in the picture and Kylo Ren went off on one and almost killed Ray or even succeeded in killing Ray or, you know, brought her back to life or some bullshit thing like that. If they did that and then he came back from redeem- from that rede- uh, and redeemed himself, that would be such a powerful, powerful story. But instead they did, they went, let's just make someone more bad than Kylo Ren which is bland and boring storytelling, which we've already had countless times before in Star Wars. And then let's just have him get beaten in a really bland way, which is how he's literally, every time he's on screen, he gets beaten by himself shooting four sliding air singers and someone reflecting them back at him. It's like, this is just a repeat of all the major plot points in episode six. And the problem is I'm saying, what we didn't want with the sequel trilogy is let's just have three more films, basically the same as the originals, but less original with better special effects. It's like, people didn't want that. They want something a bit different. Like, with the prequels now getting a sudden wind of more people enjoying them now that the sequels are out and things, because they realize, oh, the prequels, although executed badly at some points, the storyline was this big, thought-out thing that pays off at the end. Whereas I just feel like this is just, they kind of got to the end and were like, we can't think of a, be- a good way to write Kylo Ren and Ray. This other uh, uh, writer, Colin Trevorrow, tried it. We didn't really like how he went. So let's just bring back Palpatine. I don't, I, just don't, I don't think it works in the story is how strong it should be. It's just as soon as he's in it, you're like, ah, oh, this could be the end of episode six. Kylo Ren does the same as what Vader does. And it's just dissatisfying. Yeah, but I hear that. But, but that's what this was. A, I mean, 
Force Awakens was just a soft reboot of episode four. I mean, you've got the exact yeah. same characters, um, you know, and, and I know that the original draft Poe Dameron was not supposed to really be in it, but when they realized, you know, how good Oscar was, they kind of, yeah. you know, included him more, which I think is that, and once you did that, then you were kind of locked into, we've got these, we've got our Luke Skywalker, we've got our Han Solo, we've got our Princess Leia character, which is Finn. And, and right, you know, and he's like sort of force sensitive and he's a good leader and he's the best shot of them all. You know, he's like all those things. So and he's, you know, inappropriately in love with the Luke Skywalker character, you know, so I feel like that's all good. Um, so, no, I see what you're saying. I get all of that. But it's also. Because because episode seven and eight were just slight slightly different than episodes four and five i i, I didn't see there they could have ended another any other way if episode seven and episode eight were like episodes one and two and completely different than four and five then you're right then i see your point and i would concede that point but my argument is seven and eight were just soft reboots just like shadow versions of four and five slightly different characters a little more nuanced in some ways and like you said way better special effects um so I felt like there was no, so the reason I'm satisfied is because I saw what was coming. Um, I definitely am, I don't know, and we'll, we, I don't know that we'll ever know if they were going to kill Leia, if, if she was always going to do what she did at the end, if Carrie Fisher hadn't died, which makes this worse, which makes, the, the thing for me that my problem with this movie is Carrie Fisher dying took Rose out of it. Because Rose's story was, was she was not supposed to go because she was going to do stuff. And all of her scenes were going to be with Carrie Fisher, which would have been great for that actor. Because I think she's an excellent actor. And I love Rose. I, I feel people hate on Rose bugs me because I think she's a great addition to the Star Wars universe. So, so that is the biggest knock for me. But it's not enough to take it away because I also understand why Rose wasn't the character that I hoped for her to be in episode nine because Carrie Fisher died. So I think just once Carrie Fisher died, they felt like they really only had this, this way to go. Maybe there was going to be another big bad. Maybe Leia was going to be, you know, involved in a different way. You know, like you've got Han dying in the first one and Luke dying in the second one. So Leia would get her big sacrifice at the end. And she sort of does, but Carrie Fisher didn't get to do it. So, so I hear all that, but to me, because seven and eight were just shadows of four and five, I didn't see this ending either way. So your point is, is makes sense if those other movies were different, but they weren't. I was, oh. I'm going to say that this point has been going on for quite a while. Okay. So it might be worth going on to a different yes, point. Yes, your honor. <laughs> yes. No, okay. no, no, that's fine. Um, well, I've said, I've started a lot of points. Did you, did you yeah. want to say anything to have me attack? I've got a few left. Well, but I, I do. There go. were a couple of things. Well, you've mentioned it already with the more questions than, and I've already think I've addressed that you said earlier, it opens more questions than it, than it um, closes. And I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't need a nice, tidy ending. That's just me personally. Again, that's all opinion. To me, all that are like my, the greatest work of, of literature written in the English language, in my opinion, is 1984. That book ends, and you're not 100% sure if Winston lives or dies. There's a bullet in the back of his brain. And so does that mean his mind is wiped and he officially loves Big Brother? Or did they really shoot him? You don't actually know. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't need to see Winston Smith shot in the back of the head or not shot in the back of the head for that to be a good story. So for me to not know everything at the end of this, I'm genuinely okay with that. Even though I love these characters and they've, they've spent a lot of, I've spent a lot of time with them. You know, I'm genuinely okay not having everybody sitting around. You know, I actually don't like, um, you know, uh, 
you know, the add-ons at the end. Like I think at the end of Harry Potter, and this will be my question to you, do you feel that at the end of the original Harry Potter trilogy or septology, it was it was better served by having that 30 years later thing at the end? Or do you think that took away and kind of shat on everything? I I know what Megan feels about this, uh, but it's what I, do you feel? Not your honor. I appreciate your opinion, but yeah, that's I know how I know how uh, the honor feels. Uh, me personally, <laughs> I I was fairly neutral to it in a sense of I was like, I don't really feel like this adds anything, and I don't really feel like it takes anything away. I just was like, I I don't really care. Like it didn't. Okay. But the reason for that is because when it finished, when episode oh, episode eight, where the eighth Harry Potter film, obviously definitely was part two, finished even though in the books they do have that weird uh, epilogue part yeah. they when the before that scene everything is basically confirmed you know how all the horcruxes got started you know how they destroyed them all you understand that harry was the horcrux you understand why dumbledore was kind of a dick at certain points you understand why all these layers why all these characters did all these things and relatively speaking apart from maybe the occasional strand that was due to not being able to translate everything from the books to the films aside from that i feel like everything in harry potter is sealed in a little bow. And the epilogue is just like, oh, that their life does go on. Here's a tiny snippet of their life ahead, which is an add-on. What I feel like in Star Wars they did is they didn't give you a finish and then an add-on. They just widened certain points, but didn't really explain important parts within it. Like one part, right. one thing, is Finn. I, I don't feel like Finn got got shafted as badly as other people say he did in this film. I think he was all right. But my big issue with it was that after having to listen to an interview with the director and talking to you guys about it, I mean, I believe that the honor, honorable Miss Gritty, I believe that she <laughs> thought this as well. When we went to the cinema, when he was saying, Ray, I need, need to tell you something that he was saying that he loved her. And if, uh, when like Poe asks him and says like, oh, would, could you tell her? Would you, would you tell me? And he was like, oh, I don't want to tell you sort of thing. You're just like, so it sounds like you're saying you're in love with her. But then apparently the director's like, oh no, it's because he's force sensitive. You're like, he's been around Ray for the last year. Everyone knows about Luke Skywalker. He's been talking about him nonstop. Everyone knows about Leia. Everyone knows about Ray. Why is Finn keeping the fact that he may be force sensitive, which would be a massive, massive asset, literally go, oh, by the way, you know, Ray's one with the like magic and stuff. Finn may be able to help us in that way too. And he keeps him to himself in this really weird way. And then even at the end, when they have this big hug, one sentence of just of Finn saying, look, I've been able to hear this thing. I've got this feeling. And she goes, she, her eyes light up and Ray's got her a hand on his shoulder and says, Finn, I, I think I can train you or so, just anything of any caliber addressing that. And it just, it doesn't, it's just like, Oh, Finn might be in love with Ray or he might be yeah. more sensitive. And it's like, yeah. but why, why not just actually add a sentence and just say, hey, come on. <laughs> it's I think, loads of I missed think, opportunities. I think the reason why, and this is my answer, and again, I'm not, I'm not any of them. Here's That's my fine, reason why. That. My reason why is the same reason why you are lukewarm on the epilogue at the end of the Harry Potter stuff, is that we don't need that. We are, this is fiction. It gets to live forever. And we get to love it and think about it and process it. And I think that, again, that this is a trust of the viewers to determine what it's what you need it to be. Like when I, when I teach writing or when I teach literature, I don't, I, I had those terrible English teachers when I was a kid who said, it only can mean this thing. And if you don't, I'm going to tell you what this means. And then you're going to repeat it back to me. I'm going to give you a test on it. And you're going to say it means this. And I'm going to give you hundred percent. You're going to think, you know, shit. And then 
you find out later that, oh, that's actually bullshit because you don't know because you didn't write the damn thing. And even if you did write it, once it's out in the universe, it's everybody's. We can all have different interpretations and that's what makes art beautiful. So to me, if, you, if you're one of the people who shipped them, then you are like, yeah, of course he was going to say he loved Ray. Of course. But if you're one of those people who, you know, shipped him and Poe, that's what he was going to tell her. He's <laughs> we like, did I say love, that. He was going to say, yesterday. hey, I think I love Poe. Why couldn't that also be an option? And I know, again, this is all off screen stuff, but I'm not worrying about that. I'm not worrying about what the writers and directors say. I'm saying inside the film itself, we don't know. I know that that um, Oscar Isaac also shipped Poe and Finn and he wanted them oh, to have a big I wish they had like a kiss at yeah. the end. I would have loved he, that. He really wanted that. I know Oscar Isaac wanted that. And so so did I. So to me, as the person who thinks that's the ending and that Poe's by, obviously, because the Carrie Russell character that comes in in the end, because, you know, he's he's like Lando. He could be pansexual. He could be into everybody because, yeah. you know, Lando is. And so so the idea of that is totally fine with me. And so if you want that to be the secret and the reason he doesn't want to tell Poe is because he wanted to talk to his best friend about it. He wanted to say, Ray, what's up? I think, you know, at first for a minute, I thought maybe I liked Rose, but maybe I really like Poe. What do you think? He didn't get a chance to talk to her about it. So of course he doesn't want to tell Poe about it because he's not sure how to feel. So you could, you could interpret it that way. So for me, not having that ending, which is why I hated the epilogue in the Harry Potter books is because I don't need that. Trust me, trust me, the reader, to determine what I think. And if you want to write another book, great, then you can nail that down. But up until The Force Awakens happened, the rest of us just had to hope what we thought. And not everybody read what is now Legends. You and I have talked about this before. I read the original Timothy Zahn, which are now Legends Thrawn trilogy, The the Rise of the Empire, the one where Luke and Leia have twins. And Luke starts the Jedi Academy. Do you mean mean uh, Han and Leia? Sorry, Han and Leia have twins. (laughs) Sorry, and Wedge is a big part of those those books. Um, I read all those, and that was I always thought the heir to the Empire with the trilogy, and and it was Timothy Zahn, and it was great, and it's all legends now. It doesn't count. So you know, I actually went into these movies thinking, well, maybe they were going to borrow, and that you know, Ben and Ray were actually twins and that they sent Ray away because yeah. she was more powerful. I really genuinely thought that could be a thing. That's what course, I thought as well. And that's okay. And I'm okay that they didn't do that. Like, I'm okay that artists get to do their own thing. But up until these movies happened, even though there were other Star Wars books that I didn't read, because I've definitely not read them all, um, the Heir to the Empire trilogy, the Timothy Zahn ones, those were my, that's what I believed. And I'm okay having that change because it's not canon. This is. So... So I hear that, but to me, it's just a matter of, of, of that. And, and so the other thing I wanted to bring up was the word you used earlier was being dissatisfied. Yeah. So I guess my question for you, my, my, yeah. my uh, com- not companion, not in this, my uh, combatant, um, <laughs> is uh, what would make, so if you're fan fictioning this, hmm. what is the satisfying ending? I mean, you don't like any of this, so don't, you know, in Two minutes or less, give me your log line of what you think it should have been that would have been more dissatisfying. And then do you think that would have actually satisfied 100% of the people? And is that possible? Okay, I, I can't promise two minutes, but I'll try and keep it short. Okay. okay, let's just say, because I can't figure out an entire storyline without Patrick. Sure, sure. So let's just say well, you must stuff, have been right. thinking about it. Well, I, I've thought about things, but I'm not going to do it all in two minutes. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't have to be two stuff. minutes. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I just don't want to sit here and basically read out my yeah, idea yeah. for the best sequel. Essentially, the, 
my issue a lot of it is there's so many elements here that weren't explained that very easily could have been for example palpatine his son is not his birth son it's a clone that he made that wasn't force sensitive and therefore because he wasn't force sensitive he thought i'll let him go out in the universe and then when he goes out in the universe he'll inevitably have a child if he has a child who is force sensitive i can then you know use her whatever okay that is a sentence should have been said in the film by anyone who just knew something vaguely about it. That would have added loads of weight and explained loads of plot holes. The making a Snoke thing. Once again, they just say he was a failed clone, but he showed a lot of promise. So I sent him out to the world to kind of do my bidding, but I did never let him know in case he'd usurp me. Done. That's another plot. But I want to clarify all these things are things that if these are all sentences said in the film, it would make them exponentially better. And my argument here is they are lazy story writing because JJ Abrams was spending too much time trying to undo things from the last Jedi he didn't like and try and twist it into the story he kind of tried to start with force awakens and it didn't work very well because there's all these holes he was too lazy to fill essentially uh sorry jj okay. for listening because i know he's a big fan of the show um, i'm sure i mean i hope so <laughs> not anymore I'm, after this yeah, um, yeah and then okay we've, um, <laughs> he's heard way worse by the way no bro. i know um so then finn as i said finn i'd like him to have just shown any more forcibility or something to actually give him a bit more of a hint of that, you know, confirming that sort of side. With the Palpatine thing, um, I wish that when Rey heard all the Jedi voices, which I really, really liked, and there's a lot of cool voices in there that are really, really good. Goosebumpy good, right? That's so good. Almost. They would be goosebumpy good if we saw any visuals of any kind, okay? You literally have footage of Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Anakin Skywalker. You could have easily got uh, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn slash Liam Neeson to be in there as well, and you know, Leia could have also been there at the end as well with Luke and stuff. You could have had all of those as Force Ghosts when Leia heard that thing. And when Palpatine did the whole zappy fingers thing once again, as he does every time, there's no explanation to show, oh, his spirit isn't... How do we know his spirit isn't going to come back again? Fingers crossed it doesn't for episode 10 or I'll scream. But, you know, it's meant to give that, that impression. It's like, oh, his own lightning destroyed him. You know, maybe he's gone for good now. Well, what they could have done to make it more certain would be have him doing that to Ray. She starts to fall back. She gets to the floor. She almost dies or whatever. Then, or still holding the lightsaber, she hears the, the, the Force Ghost's voices. She stands up feels them you see actual force ghosts and i think someone's edited this together on youtube and it looks amazing from them editing it so it just shows how easy this could have been done and it's just a massive oversight of just having some of the force ghosts they just put their arms out like in some cheesy anime they put their arms out to give her power and then the energy hits him and then his spirit which he apparently says after ray kills him is going to zoom into him which makes no sense and is not really brought up again but she apparently kills him and his spirit goes into him if you saw that spirit almost go into her and then her and all these force ghosts using the force to push it out and dissipate it into a big shockwave, that immediately would fix so many problems of these films. Just those five kind of points that I've made of just evidencing that they, JJ had these minor points of just, okay, I want Palpatine to come back. Don't really care how it works. Screw Snoke, we don't care about him. You know, I had some plans for him, but Ryan Johnson killed him, which I thought was one of the best parts of Last Jedi. I love that. That was a yeah. great scene. Literally, amazing. and it's one of those things where it's like, I, I just feel like, oh no, Palpatine, what he's, what's he doing? He's bad. Well, he's got the life force of these two people, okay, and he shoots super lightning into the sky, destroying all these ships, seemingly, kind of, but then you know... So it's more like an EMP than anything, Yeah, but right? like, yeah. you know he's not going to succeed because also, once again, the trailer ruined this, is the trailer shows you all of the ships appearing. So you always know it's going to happen. So I feel like a cri- I agree. A cripple- no, I, I, can, I concede that the trailer screwed this movie. But again, I think we should take a lesson from our friend Tanya and not watch trailers. 
Yeah, but it's easier said than done sometimes. I know. Oh, I know. I don't know how she does it. But no, I totally agree. I don't watch loads. Like, I don't watch like, oh, there's one trailer, then the second, then the TV spot. Yeah, yeah. I I watch one trailer. That's it. Uh, You know? Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things where I shouldn't be... A film shouldn't be put together and marketed in the way of being the final film, of being all these things and combining all of the, you know, all of the sagas and whatever together. And then just having these predictable plot points that are really easy to see coming from anyone and then to not even have them deep as you want. Like, as you say, with, as I repeat, just kind of repeat myself, with the Jedi voices, why not have Force Ghosts? They had Luke as a Force Ghost in the same film and Leia at the end. How hard would it be just to have a few extra there? I, I have what? a reason. I have a reason why. And I know it's silly, but nobody wants to, the, the guys from Honest Trailers to do Rey and her backup dancers. Nobody wants that image. That's what it would look like. What you're describing is amazing. But with just the voices, it's Rey and the voices. But if it's Rey and the Force ghosts around her, it just looks like it's turning into like a bad Star Wars musical. And I think, I really truly think the image of that with them behind her pushing you describing it like in writing, it would look amazing. I would love to think that, but on screen, I, I genuinely think it would have, it would have number one, taken away some of her power as the most powerful woman in the star Wars universe ever. I mean, we'd learned that Leia is quite powerful. Obviously she's the general and a leader, and all these things, but like, she's not out bad doing badassery the same way that Ray is, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Leia is good in a scrap, but she's nothing it, like Ray's a badass. So I, I feel like there would also, that'd be the second reason is one, it would look like she's got a bunch of backup dancers and two, it would, it would take away the power of the little girl sitting in the audience being like, Ray couldn't do it without all these dead white guys behind her. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, I would say that Leia isn't a dead white guy as well, okay. is Yoda, but you know, I see your point. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know. um, yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from on, on that regard, but it's yeah. still, it just feels like, it doesn't feel like someone made a directorial decision to change things. It seems like people just missed out things and now they've had to release the extended, like they always release an extended edition of the books and things. But in The Last Jedi extended book, no one was reading that tro- hoping for answers to questions in the film. They were reading it going, I want extended scenes. As soon as the um, Rise of Skywalker uh, novelization came out, everyone was like, we need to read this because the film in itself doesn't answer enough questions that it raised itself or the other films were meant to answer, mm-hmm. which is what my biggest problem is. And I want to go back to one thing you said, which is yeah. you believe that um, you believe force awakens is very similar to a new hope. I agree with you there. Um, I think thematically, obviously the blowing up big star destroyer, a uh, death star. Yeah. Okay. How like interesting, how do you think last Jedi is because with them killing Snoke in Empire Strikes Back, there's no death of a big baddie, and I think that's a massive big point of it. You do have maybe some of the, the sort of Kylo Ray bit kind of reflecting it, but like, I feel like the ending part with Kylo Ren and uh, Luke Skywalker and the Snoke killing part were two the two probably most significant bits in the whole of Last Jedi. H- how do you think they are parallel to Empire Strikes Back? Oh, because, well, because Ray, you're right, they kill Snoke, but that also is the ascension. It's the ascension for Ben. Um, and so, so to me, that Luke dies, too. Keep in mind, Luke also yes. dies. And yes, that final scene where Luke's got his Just for Men hair coloring in, and he's, I love that, you know, that scene when he's I there. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love that. And, you know, and I actually thought they were going to kill Finn. Um, I would have been okay. I mean, I love John Boyega. Attack the Block is one of my yeah. favorite films. I love that movie. He's a great actor. I want him he to be amazing. the next James Bond. 
on record, if any of the Broccoli family are listening, please make John Boyega <laughs> the next James Bond. However, um, he would, God damn, he'd be amazing. I would eat that up. He's such a good actor and he's so fun. But I was like, okay, well, if they're going to kill Finn, you know, might as well kill the one you love the most, right? At that point in time in the films. So I was okay with all that. But so to me, the parallel is just that, that at the end, the main hero of the Skywalker saga dies, Luke Skywalker, and his nephew is now the new emperor, is, is taking over what we think the supreme leader. So I felt like it was at the end, the baddies still kind of won because there's, you know, the sh- there, there's the, the uh, Navy is almost decimated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, and I know we're not talking about this movie, but again, Rise of Skywalker, that Laura Dern scene when she goes light speed. Yeah. I love that. And people yeah, shit on that and I don't understand why. No, but again, that's what I mean. Anyway. The, the, the episode eight, this is the point is that when you speak to people about their favorite moments in episode seven or episode eight or episode nine, you find, or at least I found that there's less moments in episode nine that people are like, holy shit, this is amazing. You know, in mm. episode eight, especially I feel like episode eight has a lot, a lot, a lot of highs and some lows. The lows, mainly the Canto Blight casino stuff is very interesting, but I find that the Praetorian guard scene, well, let's say, the throne room in itself. Kylo Ren killing Snoke and the whole interaction with Snoke and Ray is incredible in episode eight. Then when they fight the Praetorian guards, it's one of the coolest lightsaber battles in the whole saga. It's amazing when Kylo and Ray are fighting the guards and stuff in the room. That is amazing. The Hondo, um, the Hondo maneuver is absolutely incredible. It's uh, such an amazing scene. When Luke does the force and makes himself like a force vision, yeah. that scene's amazing. And when Kylo's like really angry and getting to shoot all the lasers and stuff at the hologram, Luke, that's all amazing. But then in Rise, in Rise of Skywalker, there's not oh, really any bits that the water, come up to. Oh, no, the water fight? Oh. the water fight with Kylo Ren and Rey is good, but I think it's not as good as the Force Awakens fight with Kylo Ren with Rey and Finn. And I feel like if you're going to have mm. the final... If you think about it, all of the third films have had the generally the longest and the best lightsaber fights of each trilogy. You oh, know, Revenge of the, the Sith. The best one in the whole movies is Revenge of the yeah. Sith. That's right, yeah, exactly. Revenge of the yeah, Sith. Yeah. And then I'd say second to that would actually be the Return of the Jedi, uh, Luke Skywalker Vader battle, because when Va- mm. when Luke goes mental and he's like, with anger, slamming down on Vader's lightsaber, Vader's on the floor holding his lightsaber up, breathing heavily, and Luke's going mental and slices his arm off. That's one of my favorite moments in all the Star Wars. In Rise of Skywalker, it's like, oh, Rey and Kylo are fighting, and it's, it's kind of cool to watch, but then... You know, Leia does that thing and, and kind of calls out to Ren, and then she kills him, and I like that bit, and I like the fact she brings him back. But that was really where the badassery kind of ends. And that's like halfway, two thirds through the movie. So at the end, when they fight Palpatine, like, well, there's not going to be an amazing badass lightsaber battle. You get Kylo Ren basically absolutely decimate the Knights of Ren in about 10 seconds. No, that also shows to me. I love that because it also shows what posers they were. Like there's always, there's always people who are like behind the bully and they are really just weak. Right. Mm. So, you know, Kylo Ren, I thought it just showed how flimsy the Knights of Ren really were, is that mm. he's just a figurehead and they're just there. We've never seen them really do much. He comes in and he just, you know, blows shit up because he's so powerful. They're just there to be like, yeah, man, if he wasn't here, I would have kicked your ass. And so when they're like, they have to go against him, he just kicked their ass because they're they're just a bunch of punks. So I did. I hear what you're saying, but I think when Ray says, I am all the Jedi and she does the double double thing. That was really good. It isn't because she's not doing the lightsaber battle against the emperor at the end. She's just doing a regular, you know, 
it, it's a force battle. So um, I hear what you're saying. I, I loved the, the scene on the water. I loved the sound. The, I think, you know, obviously John Williams is uh, the star of all nine movies. We all agree. Anthony Daniels and John Williams are the heroes of all nine movies. And, and R2-D2 as the character. R2-D2 literally carries the weight of like every Star Wars film yeah. he is. I have a theory, and this has nothing to do with this, but I have a theory that R2-D2 is the Force. Like when the Force awakens, because mm. R2-D2's quiet during that whole movie. Oh. That's I'm, just put, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> that's that cool. R2- In Legends, they did have Force-sensitive droids, so it's not so, out of the realms of possibility. But R2-D2 is the Force. That's my theory, is that he is. No, you're right. But, I, but John Williams is, of course, the star. But I think the sound quality, the sound mixing of that battle in the water, it, it's it's spectacular. And I love the sound of it. I listened, Except. I watched it most recently with headphones on. So to hear the water sizzle, and I like the sound quality of Kylo Ren's amazing, it, but impractical lightsaber with the things that come out the sides. I'm like, dude, aren't you just going to, what's well, that? The reason, the reason for that is because his lightsaber is unstable. When he bleeds it for making it, green to uh red you know the sith was meant to hold the lightsaber yeah. crystal and bleed it force bad energy into it he does that when he's damaged and he it doesn't fully do it so it's That's unstable wise. so he uses an old lightsaber hilt to it has to have extra cross guards to shoot the stuff out but i want to say with the, the music i like the music okay it's great you know it'd be better though duel of fates why didn't they use that i don't know i don't there, there you go that that answer tony answer. that what you've yeah. just said yeah that is how I feel when a lot of people speak to, when I speak to a lot of people about Rose Skywalker and it's like, why isn't this bit done better? They had this amazing idea. Why didn't they add this in instead? Or on top of that, there's so many little areas where they could have just added 10% more effort, a little bit more here, a little bit more there in a franchise that is for its history has too much stuff pushed into it. Like in the prequels or when George Lucas goes back and re-edits all of the old films, adds loads of stuff in. Sure. Yeah. So do I. I, I dislike most of it too, but like, but but you what you're asking, but that's what you want here. You're asking. So your issue is that you want someone to go in and to Lucas JJ Abrams. What no, he did. I, you're I, saying there'd be five lines no, somewhere. I would 100 percent not be for that. I, I don't like people going back and editing films. I think it becomes mm-hmm. janky and unnecessary. There's a couple of small things I do prefer in the special editions, uh, minor things, um, but there are some bits that do annoy me as well. But no, I don't. I, I want to clarify. If I had the chance, I would go back and edit. Roger Skywalker, unless they said we're bringing out an expanded edition, JJ's making it, all the deleted scenes that we have recorded and stuff, we were going to add in and have as like an ultimate cut. And I maybe- would be, I would like to see what they had in mind. Because yeah. the thing is, the thing that I would have liked if that were to happen, Billy Lord's in this movie. She's there. I mean, she is a pretty decent carbon copy of her mother. Yeah. And yeah so, yeah. you know, she's the same size, she's the same frame. It's kind of actually creepy how much like all three of them, you know, like like Carrie's mom and Carrie and then Billy kind of look alike. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. So they could have easily, Billy was there, they could have done um, some where she plays the role and you could, you know, do well, she some. did. She did play young Leia. They with when young Leia was with Luke in it the was Jedi. Billy. Yeah, it was her. Yeah, with the. Yeah, yeah. So they could have, they could, so I would be keen on that, but that isn't what happened. So for me, I'm just defending it is as it is. And I hear what you're saying. I just think. I'll save it for my closing arguments. Never mind. I was going to say something, but then I wouldn't have it for my closing arguments. I'm going to stop there. Sorry. All right. Okay. So we'll go on to the closing statements. Uh, Tony, who is the defense? Would you like to go first? Sure. Thank you. And thank you for this. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, this has been a spirited battle. I, uh, 
I, I like, I love debate. Uh, my students hate me because my job is to play devil's advocate every week in discussion. So no matter what they say, like even if they're both saying opposite things, I'll go in and disagree with them. So this has been a joy. So, it has been uh, nice. It's been very civil, guys. Well yeah, yeah, well, I think it's because <laughs> there's no hatred here. Like nobody... Like we like each other, but we like you know we Star Wars is important to both of us. Yeah, we're just. And you know, I like just, I like Rise of Skywalker. Like I I do like yeah. it as a film. I'm just upset it wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah, yeah no, continue. and I and so so that that will lead me to my closing statement is one one thing you said in your introductory statement. And I think what we've heard from our hour is what really gets you is it isn't exactly what you wanted, and you're not alone. It's not it's not exactly what anybody wanted, but nothing is. And that's the beauty of art and the downside of art. Would I like every song to be Hey Jude? Sure. But then every song would be Hey Jude. And what good is that? Then I don't get, you know, some crappy punk song and I don't get some song that I hate or whatever. Like everything, like the, the best of the best exists and nothing can ever reach the heights of the best of the best because it's there. I mean, every once in a while something gets knocked off. Something else is going to be better than that. But so, so to, to pretend that you could be 100% satisfied at the end, it isn't possible. So what I think JJ gave us was something that was imperfect, but a love letter to people like myself who spent their whole life doing this. He was 100% hamstrung by the fact that Carrie Fisher died. Obviously, that changed everything. That was, there's no way they could have known, and that was disappointing. Um, I, think, I think that I would love to have known. I would like to have seen a draft of a script, but we don't know. So, so of course, we're dissatisfied. The fact that Harrison Ford, you know, showed up, I think, I assume in the original script, that scene was supposed to be Leia, not Han there. Um, as, you know, instead of a dream Kylo Ren, you know, has of his dad, a memory of his dad, it was actually supposed to be a force ghost, I assume. I don't know. Doesn't matter. It was lovely. It was lovely to see Han there. It gets me every time. Hey, kid. And every time I think, hey, Harrison, could you at least brush your fucking hair? But it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. What are they paying you for this? But I know he did it as a love letter to his friend, Carrie. So I know that's what it was. So, so it just gave me everything I needed at the end. I mean, you get Lando back and he's creepy. Creepy Z Lando. And I love that about him. Wedge shows up as we discussed. So it gave me everything I need. So, so am I, is it perfect? No. But am I satisfied? Because your biggest argument is you're not satisfied. But Nothing can be, nothing can 100% be satisfying to anybody. But that's the point of art is they put it out in the world and they let us love it or hate it. And what I appreciate too, Mike, before you give your closing statements is neither of us went down the road of how much money it made or didn't make. And I know that was my own fault when we started this with the Hulk movie. We went down that road and we should not have because that isn't what we were arguing, whether it made money, we're arguing whether it was good and so, or whether it, it gives us what we need. So I'm 100% satisfied with this. I can pit Nick's. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, please keep that in. <laughs> not pit Nick's. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that because everybody knows what I was going to say. With all of the movies except for Rogue One. I think Rogue One is, is the most perfect Star Wars film ever made. And I could find problems with all of them. But at the end of the day, I love them all. I love the first one. I love even the second one. I love you. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> um, even the second the, one. We agree that the, you know the Sith, the storm, the battle at the end of Sith is special. Mm. Um, they're all beautiful in their own way, but they all have problems, and uh, and that's okay. So I'm satisfied. To me, Rise of Skywalker deserves its place as Episode Nine, the end of the Skywalker Chronicles. I look forward to see what happens next. 
I do hope that that Ray or Finn or Poe show up in episode 10, but if they don't, I'm okay with that too. Um, so I rest my case. Okay. So my finishing, my closing statement um, is to kind of bouncing off what Tony said is, you're saying that art is down to interpretation and things and everything can be different. Uh, and I agree. However, I have never felt as dissatisfied with any of the Star Wars films as I have with Rise of Skywalker. I did not feel that way about Last Jedi at all. In fact, I, I loved Last Jedi. I loved Force Awakens. I was like, ah, there's a couple of similarities of Force Awakens in the original. Ah, Last Jedi has a bit of a drag in the middle, but I still was thrilled by it. There were so many scenes that called out to me that I could just, the Praetorian Guard scene, the um, Hondo maneuver, the Jedi hologram. Maneuver, uh, right? We all bow to that. It's that so amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's cinematically and also story-wise how cool it is as a moment in Star Wars. And then Rise of Skywalker just did not hit the mark on enough ways for, for me as an individual and I believe for many, many Star Wars fans of, as I've said before, there's too many false starts in this film. There's so many points where it's like, hey, Lando's in it. And rather than him just being like, hey, guys, I'm Lando. I really want to get back in the fight. He's like, ah, I don't fly anymore. Really? No. Five minutes later. Hi, guys, I'm flying the Falcon. No problems. Don't even question why earlier I said in the film I wouldn't fly or even why I'm on this random desert planet. I'm just there and suddenly I've changed my mind. Even though me originally saying I don't fly anymore is pointless and there's no reason to say it, but I'm going to do that anyway. And that is quite a good way to show metaphorically how this film makes me feel in a lot of ways. It's like, okay, well, I'm happy Lando's there, but did you need that fluff of him saying he's going to fly? Because we all know he's going to fly. We all know he's going to beat Palpatine. We all know, unfortunately, the Kylo Ren was going to turn back good. We all know all these things were going to happen. So with all these major plot points where they chose to go down a road that was so predictable and so obvious, why did they leave out so many other details. What is a dyad in the Force? How did Palpatine come back? Why did they explain how Palpatine's son was actually a clone, rather than giving these massive plot points and plot holes of this? You know, why did they try and undo so much of Last Jedi and all this stuff with Snoke? That's the question, guys. And the reason that this frustrates me so is that I shouldn't have to ask 50 questions about a film straight after watching it. They should be the only kind of questions that when I really delve deep, I can find easy answers to, and I can get satisfied with them rather than the film that is meant to finish a saga, which at present there's not meant to be anything other than that. I know there is going to be. We all know that. We all know. But we all know Disney are not going to be able to resist making Rise of Skywalker 10 when all the characters are 20 years older. When we, me and Megan probably have kids, we're going to be showing them the Skywalker 10. We know that's going to happen, okay? But do not market it in a way to tell us they're not going to do that. While showing us film parts in the trailer, spoilers for your own film that is already predictable and then to add in things in the film which do not get explained in what is meant to be the last film. All of those things put together make for me a film which, although is enjoyable and does have some cool moments, it does just leave me wanting more and feeling like this film had stuff missing. And that is not how any of the Star Wars films have made me feel, and that is definitely not how not only the end of a trilogy should make you feel, but the end of a nine-part saga, 11 if you continue the rest. And for that reason alone, guys, I feel like you would agree with me that this film missed its mark. And that is my closing statement. Gosh. <laughs> Thank you, I am, I am yeah. now in a difficult position. <laughs> <laughs> play the Tony. Make, play the Tony music. Of, yeah, that's right. Make, cue, cue, the, cue the music, Dave. All right. <laughs> Coming up. The Judge Returns with the verb. Ah, comics, ah, try. Okay, so you've both had good points. 
so for you mike it's mostly that they've said a lot of information that we kind of already knew and filled a lot of gaps in that not the words so it's a lot of information that we already knew and they just kept telling us the same information and trying to tease that things wouldn't happen when everyone knew that it would but instead of doing that they should have just given us more information about the stuff that you had to ask questions for Mm -hmm. yeah okay and tony your argument against that is that there are plenty of plot holes in a lot of the Star Wars films, and it's just the fact that there are plot holes is kind of a consistent thing throughout the entirety of Star Wars. Um, so when, Mike, you've said that there's missed opportunities, so you could connect the films a lot more. Uh, also regarding, like, Finn and the whole, like, Force-sensitive thing, which, to be fair, I will admit, the first time that I watched it, I did think it was because he loved Ray, Which is fine. Which is fine. But, but obviously, since I've watched more Star Wars content, it was more aware to me that it was the fact that he was Force-sensitive, which I did find mildly confusing. But then I do also agree with you, Tony, in the fact that you said that we don't need to think about it, because I also hate the ending of Harry Potter. I hate the fact that they go into the future. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> um, so it is, it's a nice way to think that you have your own interpretation of the film and you can make it relate to what you need in that moment of time. Um, so there's a lot of things. Those are the main points. Yeah. Those, yeah. They're the main things that everyone said in this. And Palpatine's return. Oh, and Palpatine's return. Part. Oh, your issue is that it was too similar. That they were, there was similar. There were lots of elements that weren't explained. Uh, oh yeah. With the, the visuals of the force ghosts and the, and Ray heard voices. I like the idea of, there being the force ghosts in the background however i also appreciate that having all of those people there would distract it from ray being the protagonist all of a sudden it would be stay cool ray stay cool stay cool ray stay cool ray yeah it's not west side story Although that would be amazing. I would watch the shit out of (laughs) star wars versus west side story yeah yeah so, yeah, there are lots of different things. And obviously the fact that Carrie Fisher died also had an impact and we don't know what would have happened. That's why I didn't end. mention much about that because yeah. it wasn't fair There's to nothing judge we can that. Do. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that. That, that we just, all agree yeah. it would be better if that hadn't happened. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah. there are great points on both sides. Okay. However, today I am going to have to agree with the defendant, which uh, is Tony Farina. <laughs> which first means time he's won. <laughs> Which means Mike and I are going to have conversations after this <laughs> <Uh-oh>. yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I did not agree with it. No, no, I'm thought, joking. <laughs> I thought this was going to happen. I knew going in that Megan liked Rise of Skywalker more than Last Jedi. Yeah, I don't like the Last Jedi that yeah. much. Yeah. So, so it, it, it was already. It was going to be something where I was like, people are thinking, wait, Mike's having the judge's girlfriend. That's going to be biased. So, yeah, it's actually against me. Yeah, <laughs> it, you told. Yeah, you told me in advance that it would actually work against you having Megan. The Rise of Skywalker has a little uh, little snippet to the uh, the Ewoks in there, which I appreciate because I it did just for one second. Wicket showed up at the end. Yeah, that was lovely. Yeah, yeah. listening to this week's comic on trial don't forget to vote in the twitter poll on at comics in motion p let us know if you agree with the defense or the prosecution if you want to get hold of the show and suggest a topic for debate please email us at comics in motion podcast at gmail.com don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on any of the shows on the comics in motion network if you like what you hear please leave us a review on your favorite podcast catcher we really appreciate it if after this podcast for 
for some reason you have a, a burning desire to follow me on social media, then you can find me on Instagram as Grits Gets Fit, where I track my health and weight loss journey. Uh, and you take lots of photos of your food. I do take lots of photos of my food. You will probably and see tortoise. our tortoise on there. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just a daily dose of love and happiness. Um, right, uh, Mike, do you want to say where people can find you? Yes. Uh, so you can find my show, Styles Comics in Canon, on this very feed of Comics in Motion. New episodes out every Saturdays, talking about Star Wars things, done many character profiles and episodes about the comics and how they connect with other films and all sorts of other jazz. So And a big there. show coming up. Yeah, a very big show coming up with a very special guest, which I'm very excited for, but I can't say the individual's name just in case. Um, but yeah, I know Tony and Megan both know how excited I am for that. And my other show, Genuine Chit Chat, is its own podcast. It can be found anywhere that you're listening to this wonderful show. And I have a different guest on every episode. I have had Tony on in the past a few times, and I've had Megan on by herself, and I've had Megan and Tony on as well at the same time. <laughs> I've also had many, many people in comics and motion have been on the show. And in 2021, all of the people who haven't yet been on my show, I made to have on my show as well so you know i don't just have nerdy people i've had many different people in many different places but you can find me at social media at genuine chits chat on twitter instagram and on facebook where i post information about styles comics and canon genuine chit chat and occasionally other random stuff to do with my life okay tony would you like to do the same yes you can follow me on twitter at tricycle boombox because of course and um, you could go to my website. And if you're like, that's dumb, that's fine. You don't have to like that name. I love it. And then you could go to my website, arfarina.com. If you are like, I'm not on the Twitter and all these other things. I'm not on those other things. I have an Instagram, but I don't understand it. And I don't care. <laughs> and so um, and so I'm not on Facebook because I'm just not. So I, uh, but you can go to my website, arfarina.com. You can, there's links to all of those shows that Mike just mentioned there to his show and to, to our show. And there's uh, there's songs I've written, song I've written by myself as Tricycle Boombox that I perform about wearing a mask. A couple of songs I've written with a friend of mine from Michigan, Wally Pleasant, that he's recorded and we're working. He and I actually are planning on spending our winter break uh, writing a new album. So we're working on some some good stuff. He sings, I just write the words. And um, so that's all there. So you can find out what other cool new songs I'm working on there. And uh, leave me a note if you're like, hey, I want to send you a message, but I'm not on the Twitters. You can do that there. So, Also, got. Tony, I forgot to say, the show we did recently on your show together, me and you. Yes, we did. You were on my show, and we talked to the great Mark Russell, and we discussed Billionaire Idol Island, and it was a great time. That just came out, actually, and uh, he was gracious with this time, and we had so much fun. And you'll be on in January. You're coming back on to talk about uh, The Lone Ranger, another Mark Russell comic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So lots of, you know, if you subscribe to the feed of Comics in Motion, you'll be able to listen to me and Tony talk even more. All the time. Yeah. And we've got a new show, Matt Russell, Matt, uh, Matt Lloyd's show, um, uh, Classic Comics, which is with Matthew B. Lloyd. That's a great, that's a banger. He's a, yeah, I listened to the first genius. episode of that. Yeah. yeah cool. He's got a, he's got a master's degree in history. So you're literally like you're going to school. You listen to Matt talk. It's like <laughs> Classic comics. Yeah. What yeah, a dream. So <laughs> Okay, so this has been Tony as the defense and Mike as the prosecution and I have been Megan as the judge. Join us again soon for another comics on trial. Dun, dun. Awesome. Ta -da. Ta -da. Ta -da.